Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment. My good friend and co-host Jim Wiegand is not with us today. He is in the Dominican Republic working with some missionaries. And so Jim will not be recording the next couple of podcasts with me, but in his place, I have a wonderful guest that I know you're going to enjoy uh, listening to. Uh, his name is Chip Judd. Chip and I were introduced to each other just a little while ago. And um, I think, and Chip, you can correct me later if I'm wrong. I think we're becoming friends. And uh, you know, the, the jury's still out, you know, okay. not, not sure yet. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, no, man. Man, I'm, en- I'm enjoying it from the start. It's been awesome. Yeah. And so Chip is a graduate from the Citadel, uh, Bachelor of Arts in Chemistry, Master's in Counseling, uh, has served for over 30 years as a pastor, marriage and family counselor, a coach, uh, a friend to leaders and teams and organizations. And his current role is serving as a staff pastor at Seacoast Church in South Carolina. So Chip, welcome to the Leading from Alignment podcast. Glad to be here, man. So, Chip, one thing we like to do uh, when we have a guest on the podcast is is get to know them a little bit. We like to hear their conversion story, you know, how, how they came to Christ. And so would you take a minute or two or maybe more than that just to share with us? How did you come to Christ? What was that like? What was that? Uh, what were the circumstances surrounding that? Um, I was raised what I call American heathen meaning we did not go to church. And, and I don't mean often. I mean, we did not go to church. I'm number six of seven kids. One sister, the oldest of the seven, uh, was a believer and uh, paid for it dearly. Uh, we all gave her a fit. But the bottom line is I was, I was not a believer. Um, <clears throat> went to college. I, it was in the 70s. Um, I got into drug, sex, and rock and roll. Uh, I got into uh, I always had a weird hunger to know the truth, to figure things out. Uh, and I think I came from the philosophical direction. I studied Eastern religions. I did transcendental meditation. I I uh, I, I read the Upanishads, Bhagavad Gita. And I mean, I was into all that stuff. In other words, the point of that is there was kind of this spirituality to me that was very real to me. But I also knew there's something deeply broken in me. And Mm. um, uh, one of the areas that showed itself, you know, doing drugs, partying, but I also uh, misbehaved with women. I I cheated on everybody, including uh, the wonderful lady who's currently my wife. During our dating and uh, engagement, I I would cheat on her. Mm. And so we got married. And uh, the reason that's an important part of the story is I really, really loved her but knew uh, I couldn't do this. Like, I was like, dude, what have you done? You just ruined this woman's life. Cause I just knew I could not stay faithful. But what that did was it cracked my heart, just made a crack in the door that I needed help from beyond myself. Uh, You know, went to a church that a couple of people had witnessed to me and the way they witnessed to me was we heard this, this new church in town. That's really strange. And you're really strange. So you might like it. So uh, it was a charismatic church. 
And here's the bottom line, John. I, uh, my wife and I are going out the door and my wife's raised Southern Baptist. And she, mm. she was kind of like, man, I'm glad we got out of there. Don't have to go back. And I said, this is what I said to her. I said, baby, I said, I don't know what it was, but I felt something in that room I've never felt before in my life. Mm. And uh, I really, I really need to figure it out. So the bottom line is about three weeks later, of course, I'm feeling the pressure to misbehave. And yeah. we're, we're back in that church. And uh, literally, the pastor prayed his closing prayer. I didn't know how church works. He, you know, you know, 50, 60 people. And he, he prayed his closing prayer with his eyes closed. And when he opened his eyes, I was literally standing right here. No altar call, no nothing. And I said, sir, I said, I don't know what you people have, but I need it and I need it badly. Mm. And so he took me in his little office and uh, I prayed that beautiful, simple little sinner's prayer. And at the same time, what I prayed was, God, if you're real and if you're powerful, as you say you are, please help me not rip my, my wife's heart out of her chest. Yeah. And uh, here I sit 46 years later. Mm. happily married to the same lady and um, just have had an amazing journey with God ever since. Yeah. What a great story. I love it. You know, that, that evangelism strategy is, is very interesting. Strange church. <laughs> you're strange. Yeah. It, it might work. I love it, but it's so, you know what? I, I never Chip, that never gets old for me no. to hear no. the action of God on our lives at the yeah. at the right moment and um and and then the longevity of yeah. walking with him all these years what a what a great story thank you for for opening up and sharing so transparently with us uh this afternoon yeah i'm um, grateful man so chip where along the line you give your life to jesus where mm -hmm. along that line that that timeline did you start to sense a call maybe to pastoral ministry or vocational ministry. How did, and, and how did that happen? Because I think, I think God can call us in a variety of ways. Yeah. So I'm just curious about the timeline yeah. and then maybe some of the circumstances around it. Yeah, that's a great question. I, uh, you know, having no church background, I, you know, I had no clue how it worked and who was what. And I mean, I wouldn't pastor, priest, whatever. If anything, I probably had some contempt for them. Mm. Because the versions of Christianity I had witnessed from the outside looking in were not very appealing. You know, racism and just legalism and just didn't make it look very exciting. So uh, from the moment I got saved, I, my plan was to go to medical school. And uh, from the moment I got saved, that just disappeared. I, to this day, I could not tell you any process of remembering how that decision just went away, but it just disappeared. And uh, so then it was, okay, what am I going to do? And bottom line is my wife and I, I went back to school for a year, got my certificate and taught high school. Mm. And during that time, I, I mean, I'd gotten like crazy saved. I mean, I just, I just found what my life hungered for and yeah. what I wanted to build my life around for the rest of my life. And uh, the pastor I got saved under, I mean, I, I, I mean, I was still way rough around the edges and uh, hair down to my shoulders, probably still cussing a little bit, maybe quit drugs because that took me a couple of months. Um, 
but he would say he'd introduce me to somebody he'd say hey john you know this is uh one of my guys chip judd and he's going to be my associate pastor one day and i would look at him and i'd say dude what is wrong with you like that's just the dumbest thing i've ever heard and um you know, we, I, you know, I grew up spiritually in a charismatic environment that, you know, the prophetic and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and probably when it really, the light went on for me was we had this one couple in to do ministry and, uh, and they had a word they felt like was from God and, and they, in essence, prophesied ministry in my future that I was, you know, and I think, I think I just instantly knew, oh my mm. gosh. They're right. That is it. And uh, and I was not in a movement where the next step was to go to seminary. Um, right. I mean, I love to learn, but I was doing a lot of that on my own. And my pastor was great. Uh, I, I read like crazy, love to read. And um, so I just, you know, everything else professionally, you might say, became secondary and supportive. Because that was what I wanted to do. I happened to be teaching school. So what would happen is during the summer, I would take on extra duties at church. And then uh, the third summer, I think it was, um, they actually paid me a little something. Mm. And as that summer wound to a close, we all knew that uh, it was time. So I uh, ended my contract with the high school I was teaching at. And uh, went full time on church staff. Sounds crazy now, but literally, I had a wife, and by that time, maybe two kids, and I literally was paid a hundred dollars a week. But here's the deal, John. I didn't care. I did yeah. not care. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a crazy story, but we were so poor, we would go through McDonald's leaving church and buy one hamburger. And my wife and I would share the bond and feed the hamburger to our daughter. That's how broke we were. Wow. But dude, I didn't care. Yeah. I was serving Jesus, man. And uh, yeah. another, another, here's another important thought, John, in my calling. Uh, I've always been somebody in a weird way that people seem to be comfortable talking to. Mm. And so what started to happen very early is what now I would know you'd call some form of counseling, coaching, whatever. And that's always been a way God's used me. And um, so that was just a key element in my, my calling. It's interesting to me, a couple of things, you know, that God seems to put the, the seed of uh, what he's going to use us to do in our mother's womb. You know, it just, that there is some of this inherent gifting and passion that he gives us. And the other thing that really stood out to me as you were explaining your call, Chip, is that that other people, I think, see that gift in us before we see it many, many times. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I gave my life to Jesus at age 16, very similar time frame uh, as you and uh, in the 70s. And uh, about two months into that journey, the um, one of the guys who was the leaders of this uh, group that we would meet with said, you're teaching Bible study uh, next week. I, I was two months old in the Lord. And 
And I thought, and I was a very shy person. And I think you've got to be kidding me. I, I can't do that. And he says, yeah, you can do that. So I spent for a 20 minute Bible study, you're going to like this. I spent like 40 hours getting ready because I was yeah. so nervous. I, I, I was <laughs> so worried. And we got to that study, 20 minutes. And it was like, I don't know how to describe it other than like, God just took over for 20 minutes and I got mm -hmm. done and the guy looked at me and said, see, I told you. And, wow. and, and I think part of being a good leader is seeing the God given greatness in people and calling it out yeah. of them. Do you, do you yeah. think that's true? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I, I thought this, when you said what you said a minute ago, that a lot of times others see, it in us before we see it in ourselves. My thought yeah. was this, the guys that scare you are the ones that see it. And nobody else does, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think our, I think our job is mostly what you're saying to call it out, but yeah. I would have to say, I found that, that the other side, that what you might call the negative side, people occasionally need someone to say, no, I don't see that. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, cause I've good. seen lots of guys spend 20 years, 25 years building a life of ministry or whatever. And the truth of the matter is they struggle. They never have any, you know, they, they, they struggle with 50, 60 people. And, and I'm not saying that can't be God, but you just have to scratch your head and wonder is, is there a better Avenue to exercise their gifts? Yeah. And, uh, and that's what breaks my heart as much as anything. Um, and the other thing would probably be, John, that sometimes we, we recognize and call out what's in someone, but we're not very good at helping tailor a plan to no. develop that. That's really good. That's really good. That, and that, that would be one of my, that'd be one of my biggest regrets, John. If you ask me, what do you regret? I regret that I didn't get the help I needed early enough. Yeah. And, and I, and I, I think for me, I had a lot of help chip on the personal walk with God's side where yeah. I didn't have a lot of help was on the calling side that yeah. If the, yeah. there wasn't a, there wasn't a developmental uh, strategy back then. Uh, they kind of just threw people into the ring and said, go at it, you know, and, and right. let's see what happens. So right. really, I'm glad you pushed up on that point. I think that's really, really important. Um, Chip, you have, <clears throat> a, a, I think, a fairly broad view of the leadership landscape in the church. Um, mm -hmm. I'm wondering from your perspective, what, what are maybe the top two or three challenges uh, in the days ahead for the church as it relates specifically, specifically to leadership? Um, I'd probably answer it this way, John, not giving proper focus and attention and strategy to the external environment as it changes and the internal environment and the needs that are not being addressed. Okay. In other words, I think, you know, uh, we're not in the same world we were in, in the seventies and eighties. That's correct. Um, I mean, we're just not, we can fuss about it, complain about it, yell about it, whatever, but we're just not. And, and I find leaders, I enjoy and it's refreshing to run into a leader who gets that 
and is willing to think about what are the implications of that, not on the content of our message, but on the context in which we're trying to deliver it and mm. the tone of the message and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But I would, that's, that's, a, that's a, that, that would be part of my answer. But the bigger piece would be not giving proper attention to their inner life, their inner mm. journey, their own woundedness, their own brokenness. Um, I go to conferences and uh, I'll be honest, when I go to most pastors conferences, I, I, I spend most of the time angry. And I'm angry because it's a bunch of orphans being pastored and taught by other orphans. And what I mean is we have unresolved father slash mother issues that create insecurities and overcompensating strategies to deal with those insecurities. Yes. And it comes out in competition, comparison, and all kinds of other ways. So I'll walk the halls on a break, you know, like in a conference and, you know, you got all the vendors and all. And what I see out there are a bunch of orphans just wanting someone they see in some sense as a quote father to just come and impart value to them, notice them, take a minute. And it breaks my heart that the church is filled with orphans and it's being led by orphans. Mm. Now here's what really breaks my heart. There's solutions for all of that. Yes. But it takes time. It, it, it feels like you're pulling away from your, your mission momentarily. Mm-hmm. But you, if you do it, you re-engage your mission in an entirely different uh, condition. Yeah. And um, I get a lot of mileage out of uh, Matthew 11, 20 through 30. Come to me, all you weary, heavy, broken. Me too. I'll give you rest. Yeah. How many how many Christians leaders do you know, John, that would say that their testimony after receiving Jesus was the most restful life they could imagine? Um, Probably not one. (laughs) And then he goes on to say, take my yoke, which implies, uh, you know, a short leash. Like, don't get Mm -hmm. ahead of me. Don't get behind me. That's good. Take my yoke and learn from me. That's not an event. It's a process. And then he says this, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. Of all the things that may mean, one of them is I'm not going to force myself on you. Right. I'm just not. And I'll be honest, dude, don't you wish he would? Don't you wish he'd make us do what we're supposed to do? (laughs) And then the last phrase is, for my yoke is easy. Yeah. And my burden is light. I'm just dumb enough to believe he meant that. Yeah. And I believe the reason I, I I don't do well with leaders that talk like they're a victim. I'm so busy. I'm so this. I'm so that. I'm so stressed. Right. Here's what I want to say. Who sets your schedule? Right. Who who decides what you get? Now, my point is not to beat up these guys, myself included. My point is to say, if it's not God driving our schedules and agendas and commitments, then what is it? Right. I would say without any hesitation, it's unhealed hurt. Yeah. Un, unhealed brokenness, probably from childhood. So powerful. It, it, it's so powerful. And that's so true in my experience <clears throat> that I, I feel that most of my pastoral ministry, which was early in my, my life, was driven by the desire for somebody to pat me on the back 
and say, John, you're a good man. Absolutely. And 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 show appreciation. And um, that's a terrible way to to live. It's a terrible way to lead because you end right. up. I think you end up throwing off Jesus yoke in those mm-hmm. moments and you do get ahead of him or you do run behind him. It's it, you take on things that he never intended you to take on and it messes with uh, your emotional well-being. It messes with your Absolutely. relationships. It me- I mean, and, and, and all of a sudden we've got this convoluted mess uh, on our hands and the root so often uh, I'm working with a client right now who says, John, I'm so driven. So we're trying to, we're trying to drill into that and figure out what on the inside is going on there. What's broken on the inside that we need to address so that this can get resolved. His problem isn't a system problem, Chip. Um, mm-hmm. His problem is an internal, there's an internal yeah. issue there. Yeah. It's always both and not either or. Mm-hmm. Um, here's an interesting statement. I, I, I feel like God's had me playing with for several years now. And, I, and I, you know, what I do is I'll get a statement like this. And then I'll, what you might call is laboratory tested in working with people. Yeah. And so far it, it it's bearing out pretty, pretty soundly. So, th- so here's my deal. Let, let, let's take the gentleman you were just referring to or woman. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> Uh, there's something driving, right? So here's the deal. For me, every unhealthy cycle we're caught in is based on a simple formula. You're meeting a right need the wrong way. Mm. Now, the fancy Bible perception concept would be idolatry. You're uh, like, like it, right need. Is it wrong to need love? No, no. Is it wrong right. to need approval? Is it wrong to need, you know, uh, you know, a sense of accomplishment? Absolutely not. But what if I want to, what, like for myself, I learned to get an artificial form of love through sex. What drives unhealthy cycles of behavior? Right need, wrong source. Hmm. It wasn't wrong that I needed love and intimacy, but I'd learned to seek fulfilling that need the wrong way. Yeah. Um, I, I, I never felt like I made my father proud. I want to make, I want to feel like I've made people proud. And, yeah. and you project that onto whoever, well, my church has got to grow. I've, I've got to have this many followers. I've got to have a, whatever it might be. And it's a right need, wrong source. Hmm. And then what it does is it, it, it be, it simplifies the journey. Well, if, if yeah. you buy into that, then the answer is, What's the need at the bottom of this? Right. And what's a healthier, more God honoring way of getting that need met? Well, that's so good. It's it's so uh, conceptually that is so simple uh, to to grab onto. I know in practice it's it's going to be harder to figure that out. But I love the I just love the simplicity of that. You know, Chip, we're we're bumping up against time. Believe it or not, um, I'm wondering, would you? like to continue can you continue this conversation with me we'll have to we'll have to wrap up this podcast but would you join me for another one yeah love to awesome listen uh we hope that uh if you're listening or watching today that the conversation between chip and myself has been helpful to you been encouraging to you uh we want you to know that we're here for you 
If you need help, uh, you can reach out to us at convergecoach.com, select contact us, and we'll give you 30 minutes of our time uh, and we'll figure out, hey, maybe we'll be able to help you. And if we can't, we'll find somebody who who can help you. But the things that we're talking about today, I think uh, hopefully are going to store stir some things up in your thinking and maybe even mm-hmm. in your heart. And we want to help come alongside you to figure some of those things out. So Chip, thanks for joining us for episode 151 today. And we're glad you're going to be joining us for episode 152. We want everybody who's listening and watching to know that we're rooting and praying for you as you continue to lead from alignment. Mm-hmm.